Well, again, today is part two of a three-part series called Hashtag Blessed. We're exploring what it means to be truly blessed by God, and we are unpacking that three-part blessing that was first spoken 3,500 years ago. God spoke to the high priest Aaron and said, this is how you will place my name on my people. This is how you will bless them. And that's a blessing that we speak at the end of all of our worship services here at the core. And when you hear something a lot of times, it can start to get easy to tune out and you stop, stop paying attention to what it actually means. And so we are pausing for three weeks to really unpack it, to really think about it, so that when we hear that blessing at the end of the service, it will truly fill us with joy. But can you think about that for a minute? 3,500 years, the words that you hear at the end of our worship service, that blessing that you receive, that has been spoken over God's people. Year after year, week after week, spoken over God's people to bless them and to put God's name upon them. Last week, Pastor Mike helped us launch this series. If you hadn't, didn't have a chance to listen to that message, make sure you go back to our YouTube channel and listen to it. Uh, some, some great things that we learned there. Maybe just a quick review that it is a three-part blessing. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Um, and the word Lord is in all capital letters. Maybe you remember that because it is the name Yahweh. It is the name that God gave himself. The great I am, the great God who is completely independent, the God of all power and might and majesty, and yet the God who has chosen to love us with a love that doesn't depend on us, that isn't drawn out of him because of us, but a love that comes out of his own heart that he pours out to us in spite of what we deserve, that is the Lord. And his name pronounced over us three different times, which doesn't that remind you of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in fact, as you look at the three parts of the blessing, you do see how the first seems to be indicating it's the Father blessing and then the Son blessing and then the Holy Spirit blessing. And it's repeated three times. Here's a little pro tip for when you read your Bible. When you see something repeated in the Bible, it's because God wants you to remember it. He does that for emphasis. Repetition is the mother of learning. The more times you hear something, the more it sinks into your mind. And I've said that a few times now, so now you're going to remember that repeating is helpful, right? So God does that. He knows how our human brains work, so he repeats it, so we remember it. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. The, and and uh, Pastor Mike told us last week how how the first line has three words in the Hebrew uh, language, which is what it was ori originally written in. Three words, second line, five words, second line, or, or third line, seven words, three, five, seven. It's growing. And if you count the number of letters in Hebrew in each of those three lines, it's 15 letters, then 20 letters, then 25 letters. The Hebrew writers were, were masterful poets, and you see the poetry in this blessing to convey the, 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 the news to you that, that you are blessed, you are blessed, you are blessed by the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's an amazing blessing. And today, we're going to zero in on that second part of the blessing. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. So we're going to unpack what does God mean when, when he says that part of the blessing how are we to receive that? Now, as I studied this, I don't know if I've ever preached a sermon on such few Bible words, um, and yet there's so much packed in here, so much important for us to understand. In fact, as I studied this, I discovered three critical questions 
that that one line of blessing answers for us. Three critical questions. And what I want to do is, first of all, just tell you what those three questions are. Then we're going to backtrack and unpack each one of those questions and find how the blessing answers that question for us. So let me just give you those three questions. You can quick fill in those blanks as you, as you look down your, your bulletin sheet there. Uh, the first one is this. A critical question that if you don't answer, you're going to be filled with fear and anxiety and perhaps even depression. You need to have the answer to the question, who is there and am I known? Who is there and am I known by that one who is there? Now, this might sound a little bit odd at first, but psychologists um, have discovered that one of human beings' deepest needs, one of your deepest needs is to be known and valued by important others. Okay, so, so think about that. Who are your important others? We all have different ones, but for you to be known by them and valued by them is one of your biggest needs. The biggest other is God. Is he there? Does he know me? We need to, we need to find the answer to that question. Here's the second question. What is God's disposition toward me? Okay, if he's there, if, he, if I'm known, but what does he think about me? Well, how is he inclined toward me or against me? What is God's disposition toward me? Third important question we want to answer today with this one line of blessing. What does God do to me? Okay, I kind of have a feeling about what I deserve from God, but what does that God actually do to me. Well, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. We need to know the answer to that question. What does God do to me? We'll answer that one as well. Okay, so the, all of this answered in that one phrase, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Let's back up and talk about that first question. Who is there and am I known? Who is there and am I known? So again, psychologists say that, that this is our deepest need, that we, be, that we be known and valued by important others. And you, you know that to be true, don't you? I think this is one of the greatest blessings of marriage, by the way, that there is this person who wasn't forced, at least I hope not, but, but was decided, who chose you, and this person that is a daily part of your life Somebody that knows you and values you and they're important to you. Oh, what a blessing. And some of you, I know, have gone through divorces. And I would suggest that the hardest part of, of a divorce is that somebody, that important somebody in your life, has now decided they're not really interested in knowing you as much anymore. And they don't value you like they thought you, that, that you thought they did. And that's hard, isn't it? That's why divorce is one of the hardest things that somebody will go through. It's not true, by the way. Don't let that define you if you are divorced. That is not your identity. You are loved by God. But that's one of the challenges of divorce. Um, or, or at work, studies show this. That Did you know that the, the best motivator for employees is not bonuses and raises? You, you might disagree with me right now, but, um, but studies show this. It's true that the most powerful motivator for, for employees the ones that are most satisfied in their employment and in their, in their work are the ones who know that they are known and valued by their peers and their superiors. 
that if you are acknowledged at work, if you are known by your boss, if you are told that you are doing a great job, that you, what you do is a, an extraordinary valuable contribution to the company and its mission and, and what, it want, what it hopes to accomplish, and you are valuable to that, you will have great job satisfaction. And a lot of you sitting here today do not have that. And somebody close to me in my own life does not have that. And it's hard to work in a job like that, isn't it? Where you are not known or valued by those who are important in the workforce. So, uh, when it comes to our relationship with God, more than anything else, we need to know that we are known by Him. We need to know that we are valued by Him. So I want to share with you a psalm, and then we'll turn back to the, 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 the blessing. But in Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2, it says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. So here's your answer to your first question. Who is there and am I, am I known? Yes, the Lord is there, all capital letters. And you are known. The Lord knows me. The Lord knows you. It's easy for us to think, ah, eh, I'm one of, what, over 8 billion on the planet? This universe is so vast and big and wide. There is so much going on. Is, is God even there? Does God even know me? The answer is a resounding yes. The Lord makes his face shine on you because he knows you personally. The Lord knows your name. In fact, Jesus said in the New Testament that the Lord knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, that's getting to be an easier and easier count. But, but God knows. He knows when they fell. He knows when new ones are growing. God knows. If he knows that, he knows every area of your life, doesn't he? The Lord knows you. That's good news. That's the answer to your first critical question. The second critical question I want to spend the most of our time on today, and then we'll finish up with that third one. Uh, but that second critical question is, well, what is God's disposition toward me? Right? Okay. So, so he knows me. What does he think about me? Does he, does he even like me? Uh, does he, is he angry with me? What is God's disposition toward me? And in the, in the blessing, we hear that phrase, the Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. We hear some similar words in Psalm 27, where we read this. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. The psalmist seeks the Lord's face because he wants to know the Lord's disposition toward him. So let's, let's fill in the blank, and then I want to uh, spend some time unpacking this a bit more. But, but um, if you want to know God's disposition, know this. The Lord, all caps, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah God, the Lord smiles on you. The Lord smiles on me. The Lord's disposition toward you is good and positive. Why does it talk about his face? Well, that matters. Uh, why is he able to smile? I want to tell you. I need to share that with you. But, but somebody's face, why do we pay attention to somebody's face? It's because their face tells us their disposition toward us, doesn't it? It tells us something about their personality, and it tells us something about their disposition toward us personally. You, you know that from your own life experiences, don't you? If your boss, for example, sends you an email and says, 
come into my office at 1 p.m., we need to talk, and that's the only context you get, the moment you enter into her office, what are you going to be looking at but her face? Is she having a furrowed brow, not making eye contact, looking toward the floor? You might think, I'm about to get laid off. Or maybe you enter in and she is looking you in the eye and she's not happy. She's angry. You're like, uh-oh, I blew it on something on that project. I didn't have a good feeling about it. Now I know. Yep, I messed up big. Here it comes. Or you walk into her office and you see a great big grin, smile. She makes a little joke, invites you to sit down, and now, now you're at ease. Oh, boy, here comes the raise. Here comes the promotion. I'm about to be known that I'm valued. Um, the face reveals it, right? It reveals that person's disposition toward you. Or imagine a dad, you know, texts his 16-year-old daughter and says, when you get home, we need to talk. Texts don't convey emotion very well. <laughs> she has no idea what's got dad, what dad wants to talk about. And when she gets home, what is she doing? She's immediately looking at dad's face. Where's he at? Is he angry? What did I forget to do? How did I disappoint him? Is he, is he smiling? Is he happy? I bet he saw the report card because I know I did good this time. He's pleased with me. He's happy. We look at the face to know somebody's disposition toward us. And so also, uh, we look at God's face to get to know what is he thinking about me? What is his disposition toward me? Now, there is good reason for us to have some concerns. And, and there are reasons we might doubt that God's disposition toward us is favorable. Rewind 3,500 years, the ancient Israelites, when God first gave this blessing, certainly would have had those doubts. So, to put you into the scene, when God gave this blessing for the first time, God gave it to Israel in the wilderness. Well, what are they doing in the wilderness? They had been slaves in Egypt for like 400 years. God sent Moses to set them free. Um, there, there were those 10 plagues. The Egyptians finally said, get out. They left. God must have had a great disposition toward them. He freed them from slavery and they march out and Pharaoh's army starts pursuing and they get up against the Red Sea on this side and Pharaoh's army on that side and they lose faith. They lose hope. They, they complain against God. Why did you bring us out here to die? We could have died back in, in Egypt. They thought maybe God was angry. And then the Red Sea parts and they cross over on dry land. God loves us. Good disposition. Then the water runs out. They start to grumble and complain about, to God because there's no water. And while well, God provides, the water comes. And then there's no food and they grumble and complain about that. And then God sends quail and God says manna, sends manna and God provides all that they need and they know that God's disposition is good. Oh, and then the water runs out again, by the way, and then they start to grumble again, and God provides more water, and there's this back and forth, but the worst of it is, when they get to Mount Sinai, Moses goes up on this mountain, which is covered in smoke and lightning and thunder, and they're terrified of God. What is his disposition toward us? They are left down behind at the base of the mountain, and, and they're, they're kind of afraid. 
but it takes forever. Moses is up there close to a month and a half, is even coming back. They start to get restless. They, they fashion a calf made out of gold. They put it on a stand. Everybody starts to worship the calf and say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. And there's dancing and there's revelry and there's drunkenness. And this great big noise goes up. And God wasn't happy. And on that day, 3,000 of them were put to death. God's disposition toward them was not good, they thought. This is the context when God gave them this blessing. And I wish I could say it turns around from there. It doesn't. Their grumbling and complaining eventually leads to God sentencing them to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness until a generation passed away. But what is God's disposition to them? It's revealed in the blessing. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Then they knew. We need that same assurance, don't we? Fast forward 3,500 years back to today. And what is it that that challenges you? What, What is it that makes you think that maybe God's face isn't shining, isn't smiling? What does it make that makes you think that maybe God's a little red-faced with the, the vein popping out on his neck when he looks at you? Think about your life. What is it? When you, when you, think, about, um, when you think about how you spend your time, do you have any regrets, any guilt feelings, time you've wasted, maybe binging Netflix, hour, hours of wasted time or, or computer games, hour after hour that, that could have been used Helping others, providing, being generous, serving, getting to know your God better. And, and this is in the back of your mind. You're thinking, what is God's face looking at me right now? What, what, what does it look like? I, I can't be smiling, can he? Or, or think about um, <clears throat> that sin that you struggle with. You know, you know the one I'm talking about. You, you weren't going to do that anymore. You decided. You've had enough. You, you hit bottom. It's, it's not going to happen again because you know how bad that is. And then you did it again. You're, you're in debt. The, the debt keeps mounting. It's not decreasing. You're not going to spend money anymore. Then what'd you do? You went out and bought that thing. You didn't need it. Just gave you a temporary rush like buying something does for a few minutes till you feel guilty again. God's smiling on me? Or those porn sites you promised yourself you were never going to go to again? Then you did. And you can't believe it because you had decided you weren't going to do that anymore and, and you went to the porn sites again. And you feel really guilty about that. Surely God's not smiling on you, right? So what is it? What is it with you? What is that, that sin that you keep going back to? Done with the gambling. And you went back to the gambling again. You know what it is for you. you. You know the sin that you struggle with the most. And when you commit that sin and when you think back on it, it's hard to imagine that the disposition of God toward you could be favorable, that God would be smiling, that his face would be beaming. No, not me. And, and then... There's the things that can happen to you in life that that convince you God can't be smiling on me now. The struggles and the challenges and the suffering that you might have to go through in this world convinces you that God's smiling face 
is not there. Right? Maybe you get that diagnosis. How, how could God be favoring me when I'm dealing with this? Uh, yesterday, I, I had a full schedule. I had, I had a, a wedding uh, in the afternoon and preparations for today. And yesterday morning, I woke up with a migraine, which I get like three or four times a year. And it had to be yesterday morning. So much that I was going to do, so much on my plate. And I was out for the count most of the morning with this migraine. And I'll be honest with you, in that moment, and the Lord certainly has provided, but in that moment, did I feel God's smiling face? Did I, did I sense it beaming on me? Honestly, not really. Finances are tight. The transmission goes out on the car. $3,500 repair. Are you feeling God's smiling face in the moment? So this is, this is a real question, right? When, when life is hard, when we've messed up, is God smiling upon us? And the answer is, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord is smiling on you. To which you might say, yeah, but how is that even possible? Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. And I'll tell you, his face is still smiling. So, so can you imagine it in your mind's eye? Can you just picture, what does the smiling, beaming face of God look like? It's hard for me to do, too. God is a spirit. He, I've never seen his face. What does it look like for, that it, for it to be smiling or shining? I, I'm not sure. Now let me ask you a second question. Can you imagine the smiling, smiling, smiling shining face of Jesus? That's a little bit easier, isn't it? Did you, you, did you know that, that Jesus is true God and truly human? He truly did walk this earth 2,000 years ago. He had a face. And word, the, the Bible describes on many occasions what his face looked like. Well, not the physical description of it, but, but, but the, the attitude of his face, what his face was projecting to those around him. When he saw people who were sick, a, a man who was born blind, Jesus had compassion on them. His kind face was showing, and he healed. When Jesus called his disciples, can you imagine his gentle, inviting face? Come, follow me, he would say. Can you imagine Jesus as he set out for Jerusalem that final time, knowing what would happen at the end of his journey there, with his jaw squared, with determination on his face, because he was going to the cross, the face of Jesus? Jesus was arrested. He was, he was abused. Can you imagine his face as it was being struck again and again, slapped, spat upon, crown of thorns, blood running down? Can you imagine the face of Jesus as he hung on the cross, as he cried out in victory, it is finished, and that face dropping down and all life draining from it? I want you to imagine that face because that face of Jesus means that the Father's face toward you looks like this. Because, because Jesus took the Father's wrath. Jesus suffered that agony. Jesus took your punishment. Jesus' face looked pretty ugly so that the Father's face could look pleasantly at you. 
But don't let that image of Jesus' lifeless face on the cross be your last image of Jesus' face because when Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, he came back to life and when he burst out of that grave, I believe his face was literally shining. The, the bruises, the blood, all, all gone. Jesus is healthy, he is good, he is, he's got a glorified body, his face is shining and beaming and smiling because all of the sins of all of the world, it's forgiven and you are right with God in Christ Jesus. God smiles upon you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the shining face of God that is on you, and you know the disposition of God because of Jesus. And that leads us to our final question. This one won't take nearly as long because we kind of unpacked most of it in that second question. But the third question is, okay, then what does God do to me? And Well, now we can guess. But, but isn't that a good question? That, that we need to know that not only is God favorably disposed toward me, but now how does he treat me? What does he do in relation to me is a very good question. So um, for, let me give you an example. I, I am favorably disposed toward doctors and nurses and people in the medical profession. They have studied hard. They have worked hard. They are helping people at some of the hardest times in their life. They are selfless. They serve. They're filled with compassion. I am very favorably disposed towards doctors and nurses. Now ask me what I've done for them. And the truth is, for the vast majority of them on the planet, absolutely nothing. So we might ask the question, okay, if God is favorably disposed toward me, does that really make a difference? Does he do something toward me, for me, to me? And is it good or is it bad? We might want to know. Look at Psalm 80, verse 19. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Make your face shine on us for what reason? That we may be saved, rescued, restored. Something happening right? There's action. So, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you, that he would have mercy on you, that his mercy and grace and kindness would show itself in actions toward you. That's what gracious means. And that's exactly what God does. So, if you want to fill in that blank, the Lord, the Lord is kind to me. So love can sometimes be an emotion. It can sometimes be a feeling. But kindness is not an emotion or a feeling. It's doing. And the blessing reassures us that God doesn't just feel positive toward us. He does something for us. In the Lord Jesus Christ, he saves us, forgives our sin, makes us right with him. Then we've got Romans 8.32, one of the most comforting passages in Scripture that says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He, God, who gave up Jesus on a cross like that, his son for you. If he did that, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Your heavenly father, the Lord, knows you. He sees you. He forgives you. He loves you. He does kind things for you. Now, and forever, that's his promise. So here's the big takeaway for today. If you want to jot this down, the blessing, especially the second line of it, it assures me 
I am known and loved by God. I am known by God. He sees me. I am loved by God. He forgives me. You have his favorable disposition. His face shines upon you. He smiles on you. And he does great things for you all through the Lord Jesus Christ. So at my old church, um, I I was in a church in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, before I came here uh, six and a half years ago, almost seven years now. And after every worship service there, there was this elderly woman named Marcy, who's now with the Lord, who always had a positive word to say. I always loved greeting Marcy after the service on Sunday because she always, that was a great sermon, Pastor. Thank you so much for that message from God. That was so encouraging to me today. That was so, she always had a great word for me. So I loved seeing Marcy. After one service, Marcy came up to me and she said, Pastor, do you know what my favorite part of the worship service is? And immediately I'm thinking, here it comes, the sermon. She loves my sermons. I wonder what she liked about it today. She says, the blessing. <laughs> so I said, okay, Marcy, um, why do you like the blessing? Is, is, is it because it means the service is over and you get to go to brunch? Uh, she said, no, 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 Pastor. I love the blessing. It's my favorite part of the service because the last thing I hear before I go out of the church is the Lord's name. It is placed upon me. I go with his peace. I know I have his favor. I know that he is going to show me kindness. I go out into the world and I don't leave God here at church. God is with me and on me and his name is upon me. And that makes it my favorite part of the service. I said, Marcy, I think it's my favorite part too. And I hope it's yours as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the the blessing, for assuring us and giving us the answers to the three critical questions that we talked about today. Lord, we are so thankful. We are so filled with joy to know that you know us, you care about us, you smile upon us, your face beams on us, all because of Jesus, who took away our sin and makes us holy and perfect in your sight You have shown us great kindness that we never deserved and the blessing reminds us of that every time. So help us to treasure that part of the worship service every time and to go in peace with your name upon us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.